Chapter 9 of Rowdy of the Cross L by B. M. Bower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Tom Penn. Chapter 9 Moving the Herd. Four thousand weary cattle crawled up the long ridge which divides Chin Coulee from Quitter Creek. Pink, riding point opposite the silent one, twisted round in his saddle and looked back at the slow-moving river of horns and backs veiled in a gray dust cloud. Down the line, at intervals, rode the others, humped listlessly in their saddles, their hat-brims pulled low over their tired eyes that smarted with dust and wind and burning heat. Pink sighed and wished lonesomely that it was Rowdy riding point with him instead of the silent one grew even more silent as the day dragged leadenly to mid-afternoon. Pink could endure anything better than being left to his thoughts and to the complaining herd for company. He took off his hat, pushed back his curls, dripping wet they were, and flattened unbecomingly in pasty yellow rings on his forehead, and eyed with disfavor a line-backed dry cow with one horn tipped rakishly toward her speckled nose. She blinked silently at wind and heat, and forged steadily ahead, uphill and down coolie, always in the lead, always walking, walking like an automaton. Her energy, in the face of all the dry, dreary days, rasped Pink's nerves unbearably. For nearly a week he had ridden left point, and always that line-backed cow with the down-crumpled horn walked and walked and walked, a length ahead of her most intrepid followers. He leaned from his saddle, picked up a rock from the barren yellow hillside, and threw it at the cow spitefully. The rock bounced off her lean rump. She blinked and broke into a shuffling trot, her dragging hoofs kicking up an extra amount of dust, which blew straight into Pink's face. Ah, oh, cut it out, he shouted petulantly. You're sure the limit, without doing any stunts at sprittin' uphill. Ain't you got any nerves? You blamed old skate. You act like it was milkin' time, and you was headed straight for the bars and a bran mash. Can't you realize the kind of deal you're up against? Here's cattle that's got you skinned for looks, old girl, and they know it's comin' blamed tough. And you just bat your eyes and peg along like you enjoyed it ball or something can't you drop back a foot and act human the silent one looked across at him with a tired smile let her go pink and pray for more like her he called amusedly there'll be enough of them dropping back presently pink threw one leg over the horn and rode sidewise made him a cigarette and tried to forget the cow or at least to forgive her for not acting as dog-tired as he felt they were on the very peak of the ridge now, and the hill sloped smoothly down before them to the bluff which bounded Quitter Creek. Far down, a tiny black speck in the coulee bottom, they could see wooden shoes riding along the creek bank, scouting for water. From the way he rode, and from the fact that camp was nowhere in sight, Pink guessed shrewdly that his quest was in vain. He shrugged his shoulders at what that meant and gave his attention to the herd. The marching line split at the brow of the bluff. The line-backed cow lowered her head a bit and went unfalteringly down the parched, 
gravel-coated hill, followed by a few hundred of the freshest. Then the stream stopped flowing, and Pink and the Silent One rode back up the bluff to where the bulk of the footsore herd, their senses dulled by hunger and weariness and choking thirst, sniffed at the gravel that promised agony to their bruised feet, and balked at the ordeal. Others straggled up, bunched against the rebels, and stood stolidly where they were. Pink galloped on down the crawling line. Forward, the Standard Oil Brigade, he yelled whimsically as he went. The cowboys heard and understood. They left their places and went forward at a lope, and Pink rode back to the coulee edge, untying his slicker as he went. The silent one was already off his horse, and shouting hoarsely as he whacked with his slicker at the sulky mass. Pink rode in and did the same. It was not the first time this thing had happened, and from a diversion it was verging closely on the monotonous. Presently even a rank tenderfoot must have caught the significance of Pink's military expression. The Standard Oil Brigade was at the front in force. Cowboys, swinging five-gallon oil cans, picked up from scattered sheep camps and carried many a weary mile for just such an emergency, were charging the bunch intrepidly. Others made shift with flat syrup cans with pebbles inside. A few, like Pink and the silent one, flapped their slickers till their arms ached. Anything, everything that would make a din and startle the cattle out of their lethargy was pressed into service but they might have been raised in a barnyard and fed cabbage leaves from back doorsteps for all the excitement they showed. Cattle that three months ago, or a month, would run, head and tail high in the air, at sight of a man on foot, backed away from a rattling, banging cube of gleaming tin, turned and faced the thing dull-eyed and apathetic. In time, however, they gave away doggedly before the onslaught. A few were forced shrinkingly down the hill. Others followed gingerly until the line lengthened and flowed, a sluggish brown-red stream, into the coulee and across to Quitter Creek. Here the headers were browsing greedily upon the banks. They had emptied the few holes that had still held a meager store of brackish water, and so the mutinous bulk of the herd snuffed at the trampled, muddy spots and bellowed their disappointment. Wooden Shoes rode up and surveyed the half-maddened animals gloomily. Push them on, boys, he said. There's nothing for them here. I sent the wagons on to Red Willow. We'll try that next. Push them along all you can, while I go on ahead and see. With ten canned slickers and much vituperation, they forced the herd up the coulee side and strung them out again on trail. The line-backed cow walked and walked, in the lead before Pink's querulous gaze, and the others plodded listlessly after. The gray dust cloud formed anew over their slow-moving backs, and the cowboys humped over in their saddles and rode and rode, with the hot sun beating aslant in their dirt-grimed faces and with the wind blowing and blowing. If this had been the first herd to make that dreary trip, things would not have been quite so disheartening. But it was the third, Seven thousand lean kine had passed that way before them, eating the scant grass growth and drinking what water they could find among those barren, sun-baked coolies. The Crossell boys, on this third trip, were become a jaded lot of hollow-eyed men, 
whose nerves were rasped raw with long hours and longer days in the saddle. Pink's cheeks no longer made his name appropriate, and he was not the only one who grew fretful over small things. Rowdy had been heard more than once lately to anathematize viciously the prairie dogs for standing on their tails and chip-chip-chipping at them as they went by. And though the silent one did not swear, he carried rocks in his pockets and threw them with venomous precision at every dog that showed his impertinent nose out of a burrow within range. For Pink, he vented his spleen on the line-backed cow. So they walked and walked and walked. The cattle balked at another hill, and all the tin cans and slickers in the crowd could scarcely move them. The wind dropped with the sun, and the clouds glowed gorgeously above them, getting scant notice, except that they told eloquently of the coming night. And there were yet miles, long, rough, heartbreaking miles, to put behind them before they could hope for the things that tired bodies crave, supper and dreamless sleep. When the last of the herd had sidled, under protest, down the long hill to the flat, dusk was pushing the horizon closer upon them, mile by mile. When they crawled sinuously out upon the welcome level, the hill loomed ghostly and black behind them. A mile out, wooden shoes rode out of the gloom and met the point. He turned and rode beside Pink. "'You'll have to swing em north,' he greeted. "'Redwell is dry as hell.' all but the rockin our field no use askin old mullen to let us in there we'll just go i'll set the wagons through the fence and you'll find the camp about a mile up from the mouth of the big coulee you swing em round the end of the bench and hit that big coulee at the head when you come to the fence tear it down there's awful good grass in that field all right said pink cheerfully it was in open defiance of range etiquette, but their need was desperate. The only thing about it Pink did not like was the long detour they must make. He called the news across to the silent one, after wooden shoes had gone on down the line, and they swung the point gradually to the left. Before that drive was over, Pink had vowed many times to leave the range forever and never to turn another cow, besides a good many other foolish things which would be forgotten once he had a good sleep. And Rowdy, plodding halfway down the herd, had grown exceedingly pessimistic regarding Jessie Conroy, and decided that there was no sense in thinking about her all the time, the way he had been doing. Also, he told himself savagely, that if Harry ever crossed his trail again, there would be something doing. This thing of letting a cur like that run roughshod over a man on account of a girl that didn't care was plumb idiotic. And beside him, the cattle walked and walked and walked, a dim, moving mass in the quiet July night. End of chapter 9